Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Codex Reviews. And today we are talking Stranger Things, Season 4, Volume 1. But before we get into that, let me go ahead and get the business out of the way. Don't forget to find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and all podcast streaming platforms. All you got to do is type in the Codex Station, and that is where you will find us. Kristen, we got something else that we want to tell the fans. What would that be? Oh, we now have merch signs. So we now have merchandise available, t-shirts, hoodies, and stickers for all your decorating and wearing needs. That's right. And Tone, what else do people need to do before we deep dive into Stranger Things Season 4? What do people need to do? I don't know. I don't remember other than tune in, follow, like, share with their friends, tell family members, anyone who loves anything from comicdom to pop culture, tell them to follow and join the clan. You want to know why? Because here at the Codex Station, we love comics and we love heroes and you are heroes. That's right, guys. Exactly. Absolutely. So let's get into this. I've been waiting all week. My son has written a list for me to go over. We'll get into that in a minute. But Tone, why don't you go ahead and take us into the upside down and let us know initial thoughts. Okay. Um, Stranger Things season four. Uh, I binged it and then started binging it again, though I have not completed my second (laughs) run through the series. Um, So we see at the end of season three, uh, uh, that Will, uh, Joyce, L, they take off for California um, to, to, to get out of town and start a new life, if you will. Mm-hmm. L had lost her powers, and, um, but she, was learned, she had learned a lot of life skills in, uh, in se- season three, found herself as a teenager, made some friends, most notably Max, yeah. and things were going well. Um, and so I wondered where we were going to start in season four and where we start is life in California. Um, and it's uh, overall, it's not going well. And that sets the tone for what's going to happen in the rest of the series. Right. <laughs> and I don't want to say too much right now, but um, I utterly loved what season four did. And I'm going to say straight off the bat for any uh, for any uh, legacy fans, I'm sure you noticed an uptick in horror. Yes. I don't mean suspense. I don't mean thriller. I mean full on horror and it fit. It worked in perfect, uh, perfectly, in my opinion. We'll talk more about that as we go along. And um, just everything from expanding the cast of characters you care about mm-hmm. to expanding the world that they're operating in to up in the ante in the visual aspect of Stranger Things uh, was magnificent this season. Absolutely. I love the fact <laughs> that these episodes were not 45 minute episodes like they were nearly, long they were near, like mini movies exactly yeah. near each episode i think the shortest one was like an hour and eight minutes everything yeah. else was beyond that and the two episodes that we have to look forward to in volume two are full length features mm-hmm. uh at the first one is over an hour and a half and the second one is over two hours if i'm not mistaken i believe you're right yeah, yeah it better yeah. be 
<laughs> dude, they, were, oh, they were here. Word, they would have words from me, sir. Oh no, dude, <laughs> words. Okay, no words. <laughs> okay, so so guys, if if you've made it this far into the review so far, uh, be prepared for a lot more because this is going to be super spoiler heavy. So if you have not seen season four of Stranger Things, it's okay to stop this video, go power watch it like we did, and then come back and be as excited as we are about what we're about to talk about. And with that being said, we're going to bounce around. We're going to kind of go all over the place, but we're going to be talking about the season as a whole. And I want to bring up what my son, uh, Ethan, (laughs) wanted us to talk about because I was like, buddy, we're going (laughs) to, you will see this. I was like, buddy, we're going to be doing a Stranger Things review. He's like, dad, there's things that need to be discussed. I was like, write them down. So here's the first one. And he wants us to talk about Yuri's betrayal. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> so so let's do that. So Yuri is this Russian pilot that flies a plane that is as beat up as he is. And... <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So my favorite character in the show, like my favorite side character is the conspiracy theorist guy. I can never remember his name. Murray. Uh, Murray. 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 Yes. Murray. I love Murray Murray bomb that he learned karate. Remember Murray rhymes with Yuri. That's right. That's right. And they look the same too, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, he learned karate. He, he learned how to defend himself. He, washes down his pain and bruises and vodka nice and uh him and the mom uh go they they uh have to go to alaska because they're trying to get hopper out of this russian prison and inside the russian prison is a lot of cool stuff that we'll talk about in a little bit but there's your first i mean there's your first major spoiler hopper is alive yeah so let's let's start right stop right there okay for everybody for everybody out there watching uh uh, who may, who who's okay with spoilers? So we find out that Hopper survived post the, uh, past the end of last season, yeah. and actually he made it through the rift, but was taken hostage by the Russians. Or he didn't make it through the rift; he made it back out of the rift, if I recall correctly. Well, and, see, but, but oh, was taken oh. hostage by the Russians, and so he's been in a Russian prison camp, being tortured since then. Right. Um, and the Russians are kind of indifferent about his death. Right. That's where we start the series. They they were they were torturing him for information he survived mm-hmm. the torture and so um fortunate for him he survived they were willing to kill him and you now they've thrown him American. yeah and they've thrown him into this uh prison camp to work for the rest of his life and of course i actually think they were very careful not to kill him on purpose because there's that one spot where they're feeding hey here's a spoiler feeding humans to the demogorgon yeah. but they're very careful to make sure hey you don't feed the american to the monster yeah so there had to be a part where they wanted him alive (laughs) yeah yeah um i could i could i would definitely see that until they chose to go ahead and do it after the spoiler (laughs) escape attempt well yeah well now they're mad (laughs) well well, since it's no he's he's going to try to escape and more importantly before we continue uh, with yuri not only is hopper going to try to escape because it's hopper and the series has to go on but Mm. of course you know joyce is going to try to rescue him. Absolutely. We'll talk more about that later. (laughs) Go ahead and uh, keep going on the track with Yuri. Okay. Yeah, that went totally off the track from the character Yuri. (laughs) 
So, so it has to be pointed out though, at the end of season three, if you stuck around through the credits and all that stuff, when they were walking by the prison cells and they were picking who was going to go get fed to the Demogorgon next, they were like, no, not the American. And they just moved on. Yeah, that guy. Uh, and then we knew me and my kids knew we were like hoppers alive he's alive that's amazing but uh back to yuri so yuri is this total uh waste of a dude but his sense of humor is infectious and uh he he likes to get you right to the point of where you believe him and then it's this big guffaw and laugh and he's like yuri kids yuri jokes ha 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 but anyways yuri's betrayal so he's being given money i think it was like forty thousand dollars american money how much forty thousand that's right yeah sorry guys i binged this yesterday into today so my memory is a little fresh and joyce And Joyce and Murray are on their way to rescue Hopper. They have to give him the money and Yuri is supposed to take it. Well, Yuri decides, he's like, I don't need to give anybody any of this money. I'm going to keep this money. My mother will be proud because she's still alive, not dead. (laughs) And Yuri betrays Joyce and Murray. And it's this whole big fiasco, this whole big event. And uh, safe to say that Yuri is taking them to Russia, into the deep parts of Russia, because americans are worth money and yuri is all about money so how do you guys feel about that i mean the whole fight scene in the airplane all of that stuff absolutely insane i i think during that time ethan my son was more on the edge of his seat than i was but but what, because okay. you lived through the 80s where they were the big bads <laughs> of every single 80s movie yes it's, it's the drago syndrome right there um, was anybody really surprised that he, he betrayed dies. us he dies, he dies right yeah. no one's really surprised because yuri's correct americans are worth more alive right now uh, a prisoner guard who betrayed his people is worth yeah. a lot of money and keep in mind what is yuri's title he smuggles peanut butter for christ's sake and other American goodness. Uh, and other American goodness. Wrangler jeans. Oh my goodness. VHS and the cigarettes tapes. And the VHS tapes. <laughs> but the big thing is peanut butter. Very yeah, American. Yeah. Very American. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, really, again, it, it, it's no super surprise, super shock because Stranger Things, as we know, takes place in the 80s. This Eight? season takes place in 1986. That's right. So with that being said, that is an era of time where all the big baddies of all the big movies and action sequences were the Russians. So a lot of these action scenes are throwbacks to that, including you, the ones that are inside the plane. You got to remember, though, that uh, this is at the height of the Cold War, too. Yes. So, yeah. so that's what I was going to. Uh, that's what I wanted to emphasize is exactly that on Tim. Um, yeah. When we start talking about the Cold War, we have to actually address something across a generational gap. Mm-hmm. Where, um, if if we look at the events, the polit- geopolitical events of the country in the past forty years, uh, what's really taken precedence? We're a little bit past beyond now for the ger- current generations, the gen- uh, the 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 Gen Zs, the Gen Ys, and the Millennials yeah. was the uh, September eleventh, right? And the global war on terrorism the terrorist threat, Osama bin Laden, that's very much a specter, a scar, if you will, in the mind of the psyche of those generations. Mm-hmm. And for older generations, it's the Cold War, mm-hmm. right? That has that, uh, that has that same psychological impact when we see it in movies. And we grew up under the threat of global thermonuclear war. Yeah. Or Mutual mass destruction. destruction. War games. Yeah. And, so, um, and so with that, it's there's no way uh, the Duffy brothers could have made such a 
such an 80 centric property <laughs> and not address what was very real in the minds of Americans in the 80s, which was mm -hmm. Russia and the Cold War. Yeah. And uh, and I think he did it delightfully uh, through the through the character of you're not just having Hopper in Russia dealing with Russia as we envision Russia. Right. You've right. got this. Uh, and that's through the prison. But through Yuri, right, you have this almost lovable character. <laughs> right? I mean, almost. He's utterly, he's Huge utterly opportunist, opportunist, excuse me. Exactly. If he wasn't, you would, you would really love the guy if he wasn't so clearly untrustworthy. <laughs> Yuri right? is kidding. Come on. <laughs> and the moment you're kind of like, no, nah, maybe he's really just a good guy. Like, no, nah, he can't. He's, he's, he's no. great. Yeah. You, are, you are waiting for the other shoe to drop, definitely. Yeah. But see, the War Games reference, like you just threw out there, that's in the movie or in the show, too. I say movie because that's what it is, is seven episode long movie. But uh, the the tone that's used for this, the phone call that they have to make, the number they have to mm -hmm. figure out, because because like that, we'll get back to Yuri in a second. But uh, with that, they get this phone number, right? The, uh, in a canister or not a canister. It's, it's like this is, yeah, in the pen. And we'll the talk pen. about that whole scene in a second. But in that pen is this number and they call the number. They, they get like a fax machine tone or an internet tone at that time. And uh, they don't know what it is. And they decipher it and figure it out through war games means. They realize like, that they called a computer, exactly. not an actual landline. Dude, I right. know that sound. What is that? That's war games. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep, that's right. Yeah, but we'll oh, get man. we'll get to that whole <laughs> uh, single shot scene in just a moment. But uh, yeah, Yuri's betrayal. Yuri, like you said, Tony, he's a lovable character up until he does the betrayal. And then you're like, man, Yuri, come on. Well, I think it's important for this series to, to share that um, they did such a, a, an expert job of balancing the tension and the horror, the tension and suspense with full on horror yeah. with comedy. And, and yeah, lighthearted nature, and it and it, effort, yeah. it moved uh, effortlessly moved between those, and almost at necessary times, just before it's getting too much. You oh, get yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. If, without that little bit of comedy or comic relief, it would have been a little too much. A lot of those scenes were really hard to watch. Yeah. Case in point, mm -hmm. when Hopper is getting his foot, his broken foot through oh. the, I, I know, I was like, ah, my husband's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, just, I can't watch. I can't watch right now. And I'm the horror movie person. I watch horror movies for fun. They, and that part, I was like, okay, oh, good. Comic relief. Yuri, help me out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the practical effects for that were uh, oh. super realistic and yeah. disgusting. It hurt me watching it. Yeah. I felt the tension of the Russians when, uh, and within the construct of the movie, the Russians would take Hopper in his first escape attempt out. Mm -hmm. uh, they would take all of the prisoners out to work, kind of chain gang style, if you yep. will. And um, and and so they would check the chains between their feet that are that are connecting their ankles. And Hopper gets pretty gnarly injury having an inmate knock that off. But they would check the chains every day. Yeah. And you're wondering how is Hopper going to keep the chain on? The chain is broken. And every day that they check it, there's this tension and kind of like, yeah. is this is it going to come off? Or oh, God, I hope it doesn't come off. And yeah. they did a great job building that. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So the next thing that my son wants to talk about is the <laughs> reveal of the Demogorgon toward the end of the uh, first half of this series. Like when we know what's coming, we know what's behind this door. And just for context, guys, uh, after Hopper's attempted escape, he gets captured. The guard that was helping him, uh, who's being kind of a jerk to him the whole time, but still has kind of this affinity for Hopper gets captured too. He gets right. uh, called out and exposed that he was helping the American try to escape. He gets thrown in jail and uh, they all get taken along with others uh, into this section of the prison that has nobody else. And over the course of a couple nights, they're left to their own devices. And then on the last night, they're taken into this room and it's filled with food, all kinds of food. And they all get in there and they start eating and gorging and, and things like that, drinking vodka and, and anything they can get their hands on. They're loving it because what did they get before? Porridge and bread. Right. And uh, they're talking in Russian and Hopper can understand him because of how long he's been there. He's learned how to at least hear it and somewhat speak it. And uh, his, the guard that was helping him looks over and he's like, American, you're being so quiet right now. You know, this is this could possibly be, you know, your last day before freedom. And he's like, no, that's not what's happening. And I know what's behind that door. I know what that thing is. It's called a Demogorgon. And uh, this food isn't uh, for us to be strong. This food isn't for us to to have energy. This food is to make us fat. This food is to give us nutrients for the Demogorgon. Nobody's making it out tonight. And the instant tonal shift right there, I mean, just immediately yeah. comes down when everybody starts to realize exactly what's taking place. So, and then- yeah, How the, do you enjoy a nice spread like that when- Right. <laughs> when I mean, all the hope just gets sucked right out of the room in one, one sentence. But Hopper- being the smart former police chief that he is knows what hurts the demogorgon and do you guys remember what that is fire of course, fire that would be fire so and that what would is... be why he is gorging on a lot of vodka exactly why he takes the bottle of vodka tears off stuff grabs when when they're allowed to grab weapons to try and fight he gets a spear wraps it up in cloth soaks it and has that lighter that of course doesn't work right away and you're pulling your hair out or your hair's getting <laughs> even more gray like mine is now <laughs> and uh then all of a sudden click it lights boom it fires up and then he starts defending against the demogorgon as everybody else is brutally destroyed and they held back zero when they showed that and oh yeah god tone like you were saying before just just the way that they had written things out and how it went from script to storyboard to what we saw unreal guys what are your thoughts on this what we're well you gotta about? step it up a notch you're in season four you can't go with the practical special effects anymore mm -hmm. and kind of shield people's eyes even the kids that are the main characters are growing up now they're young adults yeah. so it's mm -hmm. time to kind of take this into a more serious tone and really go ahead and say you know what we were trying to make it a horror series let's go ahead no holds barred boom i'm gonna go tear some people apart yeah and, and also we have to uh, acknowledge kind of the building within the series itself proper within within the season as in the events we're talking about we've kind of jumped to the end 
Mm -hmm. uh, of what's taken place in the last two to three episodes. And so we're kind of in the deep water of the series when these events happen. And so uh, there are still things that are horror based, but not uh, that are brutal, that are definitely that continued path that Kristen was saying, Mm -hmm. but not what the Demogorgon did, right? Still below that level because we're further along in the series when these events yeah. happen mm-hmm. further along in this season. Um, but what's also, I believe, equally important with, um, with something they did with the Demogorgon that I love is um, they didn't diminish the threat of previous seasons within this season. Like the Demogorgon in season one was a significant, a big threat, mm-hmm. right? They did not know how to deal with it. Um, they struggled uh, with the Demogorgon in season two with the Demogorgons, right? Yeah. That yeah. came out that came out of the upside down. Uh, we lost, for everybody. Exactly. Uh, we we lost characters to them mm-hmm. uh, in season two. Um, some movies have a uh, some movies and franchises have uh, penchant to every time they up the ante, they diminish the last challenge. A great example of that is what Marvel did with the Infinity Stones. And Loki, right? Mm-hmm. They made it. They made it a point to show everyone that the twelve movies or the thirteen movies of investment you've done, that's over. And how did they do it? Because now these things that people, that entire, uh, uh, that swaths of people died for, oh, we they're just paperweights here. We yeah, can throw them around, right? Um, they up the ante, right, by diminishing what exists before. And Stranger Things doesn't do that. They the Demogorgon is just as deadly in season four as it was in season one. And if you don't have L around, right, you're really in dire straits on how to deal with the Demogorgon. Yeah. Right. Um, which is you've got L and you've got fire. And if you can't get access to one or two, you're pretty much out of luck when it comes to a Demogorgon. Right? <laughs> There's none you can do. You might as well just uh, wait. And so I love the fact that here we are, um, fighting the same thing in season one with the story having carried us forward not diminishing mm-hmm. what it is right um, they didn't just magically know how to beat a demogorgon and break its arms or something crazy and you're kind of like wow that really kicked their tail in season one and two and this season they just trounced it no and, same and, threat and, and even they, the okay. oh sorry and even the spear in the mouth of the demogorgon didn't stop it yeah. Yeah. And that was what Hopper was using to just keep it at bay because sur- he knew he couldn't beat it. They survived it. Yeah. Kristen, go and ahead. I was just going to say, and, and if you haven't seen this season and you're listening to this with the spoilers, they don't have Elle to fall back on here. She is elsewhere. She is right there confronting her past. A world away. Things, trying to get her powers back. Doesn't even know what's happening. So not only are they facing one of the very big baddies, they're doing it without their superhero person. Yes. Yeah. They don't have her to fall back on anymore. And that's even makes it a little bit scarier because you're like, I know what this was capable of with Elle and her powers. Yeah. What are they going to do without that? <laughs> yeah. uh, so great to have a stick with fire on the end, but is that really going to work? <laughs> it does. Well, well okay. So, <laughs> so let's uh, go b- away from the Demogorgon for a minute and let's go all the way back to the beginning of season four like the first couple Mm -hmm. of episodes so you know with the poster around me everybody separated you have will and l and will's brother their family in california uh Mm -hmm. half a country away the rest of the party is left in hawkins 
uh, continuing to grow, continuing to live their lives. The, the boys are in high school right now. And even them, the three, Mike, um, Dustin, Dustin Lucas. and Lucas yeah. are drifting apart. Mike and Lucas or Mike and Dustin are in the Hellfire Club, a role playing group. And Lucas has found a different group to latch on to. He still hangs out with his friends and is a part of the Hellfire Club in a sense, but he wants to be part of the popular group. And that involves him being on the basketball team and trying to impress them, et cetera, et cetera. He and Max are no longer together. Uh, and you can really see the rift between the two. And a part of the reason for that is because of what happened at the end of season three with Billy's death. Yeah. Right. So Max is, I think, personally, for me, the star of this show and watching her go through PTSD with the death of her brother and the things that she witnessed and took part in at the Battle of Starcourt. They did a really, really good job of putting that on screen and the things that she dealt with and what she's going through and how her family fell apart, you know, after those events took place. Her her stepdad left. Uh, her mother is an alcoholic. Now an alcoholic yeah. yeah, they live in a trailer. Uh, Eddie, who is in the Hellfire Club, the leader of the Hellfire Club, he lives across the street. Um, and uh, she goes to the school counselor on a near daily basis to talk to her. And, and every time it comes to the point to where she has to talk about her brother, what does she do? She shuts down. She blocks everything off. She's like, no, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Uh, and it goes on. And Lucas, more so than anybody else, because they had a relationship in the past two seasons, he knows her. He knows that she's hurt and he knows that she need somebody and even though they're not together anymore a little bit of that friendship is still there and it's it's not you know like sympathy friendship or anything like that lucas really cares and he's like max come on i know you you know i know you we've we we were together we we were intimate you know we were this we were that you can talk to me forget everybody else come and talk to me i know you need somebody to talk to and what does she even do with him no i'm fine everything's okay don't worry about it but how <sighs> how teenager is that uh very I mean, not not only are we seeing these characters grow from middle school to high school and go through puberty and their first loves and their first crushes their mm -hmm. first heartbreaks and their first deaths but they show it very very lifelike mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of teenage Kristen in max <laughs> from <laughs> i would lose myself in music all the time and it would be the same songs playing over and over and over again lost in my own little world because it's safe there i don't have to go ahead and deal obviously i didn't have like a stepbrother that was completely killed by a mind flayer but <laughs> you don't have to think about anything you don't have to think about kids making fun of you you don't have to think about everybody else that seemingly has these perfect wonderful little lives mm -hmm. you don't have to see the guy that broke your heart now go ahead and be popular mr basketball eventually star but not the time <laughs> but be on the basketball team it, it's such a teenager going through their very mm -hmm. first emotions and it's done very very well um including in that episode um the dear billy episode episode four yeah. where she is the best, the, the episode. best episode right yeah, yeah. And I, i'm not gonna go into too much detail because i know we're gonna talk about it but when she's writing those letters to, out to everybody her family yeah. her friends even the billy her grandparents you know there's no fear 
she's obviously afraid, but it's, this is what I have to do just mm-hmm. because I can't hundred percent change everything. Yeah. The same thing is going through their very first emotions. You can't change them. You can't control them. You just kind of have to ride them out and see where they take you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Tone, what do you got to say on this? I just think that um, there were some things that I accepted. I, I got to say, um, I guess the best way to state it is I didn't like, but I understood they were necessary because mm-hmm. they were closer to real life. Mm-hmm. Like I see mm-hmm. the group as this core net of friends. And when the season four starts, they're teenagers. Yeah, I remember transitioning from one group of friends to the other in that time when my world had gotten a little bit bigger and I always had love for my old friends that I was 12 and 13 or 14 with, but I've got these new friends that I'm 16, 17 and 18 with. Right. Mm-hmm. And those groups don't always mesh easily. Nope. And we, we, we're confronted with that immediately with Lucas, right. Um, who's trying to find this balance between the sports, the athletic team that he wants the basketball team and his classic friends that are always been there. Yep. Um, uh, you, uh, you also see it a little bit later on between Will and Mike and the distance that's between them. Uh, and the awkwardness were, when they got yeah, together. Yeah, and this and this is their best, and they're supposed to be best friends, right? And mm-hmm. the distance, they've kind of moved in different ways. Now they approach that relationship differently. Will is hurt in his context that Mike doesn't do more to make them friends, and Mike's just kind of in Mike's world, like yeah. whatever what's going on with L is his priority and nothing else. Um, yeah. Now, I felt that was a, almost a little too awkward for them. They kind of salvaged yeah. that line. They were so far apart to where they, uh, when they met, um, there was so little connection to them. I thought they were going to just go ahead and say, hey, I always love you, but that doesn't mean we're best friends anymore. Right. Right. But they, so the reconciliation of that just seemed kind of quick for how part apart, uh, how far apart they made them. They, they really reconciled it in a two minute meeting right i I hope i hope that in the next two episodes that come out in july they kind of deep dive into that a little more to give a better resolution for will and mike because like speculation on the internet is abound and and i don't pay attention to any of that i just pay attention to what's presented to me on screen and as of right now you know like all of us can agree you see that awkwardness you see two best friends that were like this for five years or whatever and now they're like this and they kind of have to get to know each other again you know what i mean that split started in season three when there's that confrontation between mike and will in the garage in the garage where oh did you think that we were just going to stay friends forever and play games in my basement forever yeah i did because at that time you do think so Mm -hmm. i want to pose a question does anyone else think that mike's character took a really sharp turn downward he is yeah. not a great character anymore yeah. for me. Mike, the, the, I agree <laughs> completely. The Mike character, it was <laughs> watching those two characters in particular. And I'm not talking <laughs> about their interaction. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about them as individual characters. Right. The Will character, one, was played a lot more aloof and awkward than in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Like the Will character does not seem to be comfortable in his own skin with himself. Right. Is very aloof and somewhat disconnected. And so I'm like, wow, they've really uh, changed Will almost to an outsider in his own group of family and group um, with his a lot of idiosyncrasies. And and um, 
I forget the name of the actor who's playing him. If that's by design, it's masterful. Uh, mm-hmm. Noah Schnapps, I believe, or Schnapps. Ethan I could tell you if he were here. Um, but I know Finn Wolfhart the, does Mike, so it's Noah Schnapps. On the Mike side, Mike seems to be just <laughs> caught in Mike world and whatever Mike is happy with. And it and if L fits into the world, so be it, as long as she's super L. Yeah. And for my as long as she's mm-hmm. super L, then I'm okay. And um because and that's so, when his his view of her changed. She no longer has her powers. Yeah. She's no longer his superhero, even though he goes, hey, you're a superhero. And she's like, not anymore. Yeah. You even see his emotions towards her change. And I'm not talking like the awkwardness of them meeting again. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about there's a coldness to him. Yeah. But you don't know why, because there's nothing else going on with him, really. Yes. That makes me sit there and go, you're kind of turning into a little bit of a, a jerk. Yeah, well, absolutely. For the people that you care about, you people that well, love you. If you look at Will, <clears throat> you look at what he does with Will, and you look at what he does with L, who are his two closest relationships. Mm-hmm. You're kind of mm-hmm. like mm, Mike's a bit of an a hole here. He's. I I think you hit it on the head tone with with that last sentiment. That that's kind of exactly what he is. He's self centered as he's growing up. He's becoming more involved with himself. And what his perceptions of what his girlfriend and his best friend should be. And if they don't meet his perceptions, he just kind of gets negative towards those. What they once were, they're not anymore. He's like that towards Lucas as well. You know, you now want to go ahead and play basketball and maybe be part of the popular crowd or just find something new. And it's immediately like, you know what? I don't need you anymore. It's so, Mike's boom. boom it's Mike's world, and if you don't fit in Mike's world, then you're not in Mike's world. Mm-hmm. Dustin still fits in that world right now, so right. Dustin is his new best friend. But I would love to point out that Dustin continues to be the beating heart of everything. He has some great growth point. always. Every he's around with the compass in his hand, dude. Yeah. What are you doing? I knew it. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> I love the fact that the Dustin character is has grown to a place where he's so sure of himself and being himself. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's not seeking approval. Dusty he's not, he's not a fa- he's not afraid of rejection. Um, he's already been down those paths. We saw those in previous seasons yeah. and it resonates to where he is now. Yeah. I mean, he's looking at his peers. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. He's looking at the older kids, uh, the Steves and the Eddies and like, yeah, that's absolutely what I think, you know, um, and uh, I just love it. I think he fits it well. I think uh, I love the the growth that we've seen in the Dustin character. Absolutely. OK, so the next thing I want to talk about, I want to uh, step away from the party, from Hawkins and from uh, everything else and kind of go into L for a little while and talk about her and her progression as a character specifically the roller skates into the nose of that girl that absolutely deserved it in that episode and ethan my son we were sitting there watching that and i could tell he was getting mad he's like dad she's being real mean to her i was like buddy just relax just watch she grabs that skate walks up hey pow and ethan was like you deserve that buddy it's okay calm down uh with what she's going through and we talked about this a little bit before like in california her being in california where will is uncomfortable in his own skin and kind of a forced outcast in his own family l is really trying to do her best to live a normal life and to fit in and to be a 
part of a society that she knows very little about. Even with her experience in Hawken and hanging out with her friends, that's all that she had, aside from the small stint where she went to Chicago. Uh, so now she's really on her own. And the things that she thinks are pretty and beautiful other kids uh, and kids can be the most uh, horrible and torturous of them all think they're childish and worthless and, and they treat her like that. She's successively bullied in high school out there. And, and even she forgets at times that she doesn't have her powers like that scene when she, when they're all out in the court. Yeah. And she does that. Yeah. And she does yeah. this and everybody just kind of looks at her and laughs uh, and she realizes I don't have them. So there's nothing I can do. And she, of course, she misses Hopper. She misses her dad. That's her dad. Papa is Papa, but Hopper is her dad, right? That's the man that took her and raised her and loved her and cared for her and helped her grow into the woman that she's becoming. And she needs him and he's not there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She has Joyce, but Joyce can only do so much, right? She's got her two other boys, one who's doing his own thing and Will, who is still very much a teenager and coming into his own and trying to figure out who he is. So she's got a lot on her plate as it is. And she works from home too, selling encyclopedias, uh, which is pretty awesome. My parents still have their, uh, their set of <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica. Thank you very much. So you walk you in the, and it's right there. <laughs> do you want the A through E or would you like the oh. entire volume? No, we have the A through Z and the appendices. Oh my Lord. Oh yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, Elle's journey, uh, going through all of that and uh as things are taking place in other parts of the world uh and military are starting to get involved and people that thought they were separated from everything are being pulled back in l is one of those and eventually uh the paul riser i can't remember his character's name uh but yeah the scientist from seasons two and three uh, he is, I think, the closest thing to a friend from that that she has. And even then, he can't be trusted, right? Because right. he's a scientist. He was one of the people in the middle of all of that. And uh, he's always going to be Burke from Aliens. I'm sorry. He's <laughs> dude. always going to be Burke, right? When I see him, he's uh, untrustworthy, regardless of what he does, because he's Burke. I'm mad like, about you? With it's Helen okay. Hunt, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> Tony, you got to come to a horror convention with me. We meet uh, Lance Henriksen every year. Oh my lord! <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she gets pulled back in, and he gets pulled back in too, and they get taken to that facility that is just a doorway and a set of stairs that go down into a nuclear missile silo. Since abandoned, turned into this, and lo and behold who is in there but the Papa. the yeah. last person l wants to see yeah yep. i think Papa. i think we've actually jumped too far because you wanted to discuss her at the beginning well i'm Roller just kind of covering and everything yeah i'm just kind okay. of covering all of it given a broad stroke of <laughs> yeah. of the things that she's done we can deep dive into all of that stuff here in a minute well i, I was yeah go ahead yeah but uh but uh, her journey from there, the, the beginning of the first episode, writing letters to Mike and, and things like that, all the way up to meeting Papa again and having to go through the process, but 
super fast, super speedy, and super brutal to try and reawaken her powers. So for those who don't know, when when Tim says Papa, he's talking about Dr. Brenner, just in case you haven't watched this. Matthew Modine. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into that. Tone, why don't you go ahead and take it away on there. What are your thoughts on Elle's character progression and just overall with everything that happened to her in the first volume of the season? Well, knowing the happiness that she seemed to find in Hawkins, she seemed to find young girl, teenage life Mm -hmm. in Hawkins in a positive way. And that was for me what I think what everybody kind of wants for Elle through season one, two, and three, right? A normal life. Right. And um, now to see that has, you know, atrophied out in California was heartbreaking for me. I felt really bad for her in this environment where she's being bullied constantly. And she's weak, uh, as in she doesn't have her powers, right? right? And um, now, maybe the current generation has a little bit of a different relationship with bullying than we have in our generation, because in in the modern in the modern school system, while bullying always takes place, right? It's frowned upon, and it's openly frowned upon. Like, like I didn't have a safe space when being bullied in school. You go tell a teacher too many times, the teachers call you a tattletale and the teachers tend to reject what you're saying. Other parents in the neighborhood are the same. Mm-hmm. And so kids that bully aggressively, persistently can get away with it. And it can degenerate into horrible situations. Still takes place today, but uh, but environments are more aware of it, right? And so if a kid were today were being bullied constantly, they could go tell their parents and the parents are going to get on the phone with the school and the school right. today are going to do what they can, even if it's effective or not effective to take actions. They recreate this environment just like I saw it and I experienced it in the 80s, right? Absolutely. Like, you see a kid being constantly bullied, right? And trying to figure out just how to exist in my life while absorbing this bullying. And Elle doesn't have her normal method of, of out uh, of that of how you say of uh pushing back against that which is her powers right, right. yeah um, her sh- what she right. feels is her strongest suit she doesn't yes. have anymore and so um it made me feel bad like like the character had regressed um <laughs> and then i i kind of did my own evaluation between episodes well i can't really call it an aggression but she's met a new challenge right that she didn't have in hawkins and um the that leads up to kind of the big uh the skate to the face where she where she mm-hmm. uh whops the girl i don't think there's anyone who's seen this that wouldn't have whopped her with l right um right um but seeing how the authorities respond once again um you're defending yourself and you're yeah. uh you're defending yourself and you're kind of put down you're the bad person you're the villain there's something wrapped around this this is l's first time since she's been with the hawkins crew being the bad person, mm-hmm. right? Like L, once she got out of the research facility early on and starts interacting with the Hawkins crew, she's surrounded by people she loves. And yeah. at least for everyone closest to her, she gets nothing but love and support, right? right? Um, we see her for the first time now where she, she takes, she does things and she's admonished for it. And she's really struggling with these different things. The the adults yeah. looking at her poorly, her friends, uh, her not being with the people with Mike and her other friends, the the kids at school that bully her nonstop. And um, there's so much challenge that's wound up in there. It got to a point for me it was just heartbreaking. Like I wanted to oh, reach yeah. out and hug L. And they did. I think they did a great job with that. 
um, let me give this young lady a hug. She <laughs> needs it, right? And um, and now, uh, and then when you think it's going to be Mike to the rescue, it's Mike, excuse my French, but Mike Mike comes in on some bullshit, right? Yeah. Mike doesn't come in to the what rescue. What did you do? What did you right? do? Yeah. Mike He's comes being in. a jack donkey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome right. to me. Not I had I did a lot of preschool story time where I didn't have to swear. I'm like, this person's being a jerk, donkey, hee haw. Son of a biscuit mother trucker. Hey, I say son of a basket weaver. Thank you. I say son of a biscuit. Um, and I, I got that from somebody in the army years ago. And flippity floppity uh, is my F word when I'm not. But, um, <laughs> but, but I think the arc for L once L moves back into I need to get my powers back. One of the things I didn't like when she leaves the note from Mike saying, I'm going to become a superhero, right? Again. Right. Um, and, and, and this is now, remember this is just, we're kind of halfway through season four now, but I, I don't want Mike to get superhero L back. I want to see L grow to be a strong, healthy young lady, mentally and emotionally strong and independent on her own. Mm -hmm. not becoming a superhero, not being influenced. If she's being driven by the motivation, she needs this as a part of herself and, and she wants to help people. That's a great motivation because Mike likes it is not a great motivation. Right. Right. And I don't want, I don't want millions of young ladies thinking like that. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully when we get to the second half um, and clearly through the event, she's going to get her powers back. It's L. You, you pretty much perceive that throughout the series. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, but hopefully they give us some dialogue where that's not important towards the relationship with her and Mike. Right. Um, where it somehow becomes more apparent that it's her choice. Yes. Her right. decision, yes. independent of anybody in Hawkins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 100%. Um, the everything she goes through in the tank and so for mm -hmm. people who haven't watched the show basically what happens is she nina right is that the nina. name of the tank mm -hmm. yes she yeah. needs to um get her powers back and she ends up uh with the uh with the people you saw in season one and season two trying to get her powers back and they 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 put her inside of a tank called nina where she's she's blocked out memories right and they believe they need to walk her back through these memories so she can come to terms with events that happened mm -hmm. and uh, learn to re also re-engage re her power. And what's interesting here is the way they shift back and forth. You may almost forget that you're inside of Elle's mind. as you're Yeah, you do sometimes. You do. Right? You Absolutely. 100%. And so I'm watching it and there's some points where I'm, you're looking at what's taking place and you're thinking, Oh my gosh, like this is happening right now. No, you're inside of Elle's mind. You're in her memories. Her memories may shift in time as she's remembering things and it's influencing what's happening. Okay, these events took place 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. It was these actually seven. I think it was 1979 was the date that all that, those shenanigans, that's what I'm going to say. I, I, believe was about, so. I was about yeah. to say a bad word. Shenanigans are happening. <laughs> so it's done so well. So you shift between. L where she is now, let's say, what is L now? 17? Yeah, uh, 17 or 18. She's in her last year of school, I believe. And yeah. so, and you're shifting back into kind of 10-year-old L. Yep. Right? And um, the vision, and they do a great job with the visual aspect of that. Um, and uh, and so there's so much that happens that's revealed to you 
your perception is that it's happening to L right now, but actually it's them pulling back the curtain and allowing you to see more and more of what has happened. Yeah. Right. Um, and other things are revealed during that time period too. Yes. Uh, like with who uh, patient number one is or if L is 11. If, yeah. if, remember L stands for 11. Yeah. Right. What about the other numbers? Right. Where's one through 12? Well, right? we saw uh, what was it? Number eight in season two. Yes. Right? So we, we know we in the episode we don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and so we know she is alive. She's out there moving around. And then we see. But as far as other... we know, she is the only one that got out of the place. Exactly. Prior before... to everything that's happening yeah. right now. And then we see uh, everybody in else in in the school, so to speak. Um, and and side note, uh, Netflix and the Duffer Brothers did a really good job with uh, the the opening of the entire season uh, with their, you know, hey, with with the events that have taken place that I won't talk about because they're it's it. If you've watched the news, you know it. There's no reason to go into it here. But I mean, what Netflix oh, and the Duffers, the, yeah, what right. Netflix and the Duffers did was like, hey, you know, with recent events, if this is something that's going to bother you, it's okay. Shut it off. You don't need to to deal with that or skip ahead. So you don't have to do that. It was a really good, really professional way to address that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to Elle, I have a little bit of a different opinion of her when we first see her in this season. It, it, it goes ahead and bounces off exactly what Tone was talking about. But the idea here is that while she's in California, she has this ideal vision of what normal life is supposed to look like mm -hmm. and that is apparent in the letters that she writes to mike oh i've got two great friends i have angela and stacy and they're really good yeah. friends everybody loves me i'm doing great i'm twice as happy that's an actual quote i'm twice as happy now as i was in hawkins because yeah. to her she believes that's what it's supposed to be even though that's not what's happening she just believes that eventually it's all going to fall into place and that's exactly how it's going to be it's going to happen before mike comes and visits and it's just going to all be perfect and he doesn't have to worry about her no one has to worry about her it's just going to be this wonderful perfect life which we know from the first moment we see her go through school is not that yeah. at all so i found that very very interesting because she has pretty much lived in her head her whole entire life how do you go from an underground bunker where the only life you know are these people with these psionic and telepathic powers that are scary as heck fire, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say heck fire instead. You, you, <laughs> you can say hellfire, it's okay. I mean, we got the hellfire club. We're gonna That's talk. right. I know, I know, thank you, Marvel. Marvel throwback X-Men. I happen to like the hellfire club. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, do, uh, bonus points real quick. Tell me, guys, who was in the hellfire club? Do either of you know? Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost. Those are only two that are relevant. Yeah, I was going to say, do you really want me to they Magneto was part of the Hellfire Club. Yeah, too, but guys. I mean, do you want us to go through the whole entire freaking list? It changes. Uh, no. Moving not, on. Go this ahead. Is things. I'm not going to go through <laughs> X-Men lore. I could. I'm not going to. Uh, X-Men lore is pretty heavy into this. If you remember in the first episode of season one, what comic book were they uh, fighting over? Who was going to win the race? If I win the race, I get your copy of X-Men number 137. There you go. I, I, I had forgotten that. Only yeah. Tim would remember that. Of and you course don't even, I would. Yeah, you would. As anyway. soon as I saw it. But anyways, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So Elle has this idea of a perfect life, and that's what she's learned from her friends in Hawkins. So she believes that's supposed to translate into California. 
and it doesn't. And I think that's what really causes and creates a bigger rift between her and Mike. It's not just the awkwardness. It's not just the, oh, distance makes the heart grow fonder, which it does not in this series at all. It is, I want him to know that everything is perfect. It's great. I don't need my powers. I am still super L because I've got friends. I'm doing great in school and my family's doing good. And then it all comes crumbling down when we get to that scene in the roller rink. And it is very Carrie-esque. That's on purpose. Just so you all know, it's a throwback. Not just that, but them also just going around. The first scene of the movie Carrie, for anyone that has a super old spoiler, by the way, is them throwing period products at her in the shower because she gets her first period in the shower. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're surrounding her and throwing it. That's kind of what is mimicked here. And then the milkshake being tossed. Well, I mean, the Stephen King influence in this show is super heavy. Like Mm -hmm. the, the Duffers are big King fans and it is very evident with the door and the rose on it. Rose red. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the dark tower. Yeah, very much. Well, there's also some five Barker influence as well. I did not catch that. You are spot dead on. (laughs) As soon as I saw it, I knew what that was. I was like, oh, yes. That's the dark dark tower. tower. How did I miss that? There's also some Clive Barker there. There's also some Clive Barker there because to me, Vecna looks a lot like Uncle Frank from Hellraiser. Well, let's let's (laughs) let's talk about Vecna for for a brief moment. And then I want to shore it up with the older kids, Steve and Eddie and robin and mike's sister nancy nancy absolutely and there's a reason her name is nancy and all of that stuff uh throwback to freddy krueger man i'm not wearing my freddy krueger shirt today what's up i missed an opportunity Vecna was a great villain it is a great villain can't say was because the series is still ongoing is and the reveal was masterful i love the reveal i said masterful already i'm going to use it again Um, yeah uh i i love the we should have a little uh, masterful counter in the bottom see how many yeah, times tone yeah. says it <laughs> I, just, I, I love it i said it before i gotta say it again uh it was just um to not know what you were dealing with at first when this series starts and to have these deaths be so brutal when you see them mm-hmm. um and um and i gotta tell you um and, and you guys are going to know what i'm what, what's going here when they kept going back to the house, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it put me completely in a nightmare on L Street. Yes, mindset, very right? much so. Mm-hmm. Um, like we're in the house. She's uh, uh, what was the first girl's name? Chrissy. Chrissy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's running around the house. She's trying to get out of the house. And I'm thinking back to the old uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets. Like, man. This is so Freddy Krueger-esque in here. Like and towards the end where Nancy's trying to climb up the stairs and they turn yep. into goo and she yeah. can't escape. The, yeah. yeah. All of that. And, and I'm like, man. And so when later on we get our Robert England reveal, yeah. right? I just, he hauled out loud, right? <laughs> I, just, I just literally yelled out loud. Oh my God, I knew. And they realized at that point, he's a part of this project, like uh, that, that they actually gave him a role, um, which I thought he'd be Robert England. Yeah, for for uh for what he what he was asked to do he nailed it dude and, um, he yeah yeah oh yeah anyone else uh, catch the silence of the lambs while they're walking towards his cell yeah yeah stay After. five feet away don't give him any gifts yeah, <laughs> i'm like did. man is he gonna be wearing the mask too <laughs> they, they put it all in there they all this homage they paid this is a horror series oh yeah and while it goes back to what you're saying about it being a little bit more horrific this season yeah. and uh and so and so I just had to say that Vecna 
the way they they introduce a villain to you they're trying to figure out as as the kids do right uh what they are dealing with as these as these other as these teams are being killed they're trying to piece it together as you see them do every season Mm -hmm. and then over here you have l going through these events Ella's not with them at this point. Ella's uh, Ella's off on her own path and um, trying to get her powers back. And they're revisiting what took place in Elle's past. Yeah, nobody uh, in California knows what's happening in Hawkins. They have nope. no idea what a Vecna is. <laughs> exactly. And um, to, to see, for them to bring it full circle and the connection that you get at the end, um, it, it, I just, I, uh, I, I just... It was like the cherry on top. Like, yeah. Boom, there it is. And it Because you do perfect. for a while wonder how they're going to bring it back to Elle because she hasn't seen this big baddie yet. Yeah. You know, she's not there in Hawkman's. Um, so she kind of created this big baddie. Yep. Created him, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And well, so, uh, oh, go ahead. So for anyone out there who doesn't know, this is already spoiler heavy. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we spoiled just about everything that was worth spoiling already. So. Not so yet. In, uh, in the uh, what you find out in Elle's memories, which Elle is living through, she's repressed these memories, mm-hmm. um, and she's living with the trauma of what she saw, believe she, believing she caused it, mm-hmm. but it's she not the full memory. And the goal is uh, of the staff is to try to get her to remember everything, while she's simultaneously using those memories to relearn how to engage with her power, with yeah. the hopes that once she her, uh, that she can basically, for all intents and purposes, rewire her mind, right? Access her power again, and then access it fully from the trauma, uh, you know, moving past the trauma to which she blocked herself, right? right? From, uh, and so um, in that process, you find that in Elle's path, there was a number one, uh, there was an intern, there was, it, and her world starts with the two. Yep. Um, she doesn't have a great relationship with two. There's a lot of bullying there. Two wants to be the strongest. L is the strongest. He resents the the attention and affection of father going to L and not him. So he gets with other numbers and they bully her. Um, she and number finds, one is just like a story. It's like a yeah. legend. They know nothing about him. And she gets her exactly. And she gets her help from an intern that works there. One of uh, one of the assistants. He's older than them, and uh, and he helps out. He helps out Papa. Uh, managing uh, mm-hmm. uh, all the other kids, um, but L comes to understand that he gets tortured too when he doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Yeah, played um, beautifully by Jamie Campbell Bauer, by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely amazing, absolutely. And um, in the end, they end up building a relationship as he helps L understand her power, and um, and so this is the compassion in the world in this scientific world where where Elf is a lab rat that's poked and prodded at for her power. Um, this is the compassion she has, uh, the, the, what she gets attention and love from, um, if you will, from this particular intern who's always secretly helping her. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he helps her, he wants to help her to escape mm-hmm. and she wants to help him. He, he's willing to let her go because he's chipped. He said, I can't come with you. Mm-hmm because I'm Chip, they will find you. And um, she she uses her power, her telekinesis to take the chip out of him. Yeah. And, uh, and he reveals he has power at that point, right? 
Yeah, little does she know that was pretty much keeping him in check. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's where the reveal, the reveal <laughs> starts. And this is keep in mind when you're watching it, you may think it's happening in real time, but this has already happened. This is in the past. You're in Elle's memories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, he goes through the facility, he slaughters everyone. And you realize you come to understand they reveal to you he was, he was the myth, the legend that he should, who should not be named for this series. Mm-hmm. He was number one. He was one. He is the man behind the rose. Yeah. He who walks behind the rose. And so uh, right. it was, it was, it was so well executed. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and take it to the group of kids that we have not yet talked about. And that would be Eddie, Steve and nancy and robin and jonathan uh and jonathan too and argyle all of them yes (laughs) (laughs) anyways uh Eddie. I'd keep going, but that was oh Jason. Don't that forget count? Jason. I was yeah, about to say, don't forget go. Jason. Because I've got something <laughs> I want to say about Jason. Eddie, the 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 new character in the series, so to speak. I mean, he is amazing. He's tough as nails, this big long-haired metalhead, uh Eddie Van Halen type hey, looking dude. Guys, if you were ever wondering what Tim looked like in the 80s, it's Eddie Munson. Uh yeah, basically. It was. Yeah. It was. He was also every guy I ever had a crush on in junior high. And I went in junior I mean I went to junior high in the nineties and I was still with those guys going, Yep, still does it for I me. I was okay. in high school in the nineties and I looked just like that. I just didn't have a leather jacket or a sleeveless jean vest with Dio on the back of it. I have um, that in my closet right now. That is not a joke. Anyway. <laughs> so Eddie as a new character, absolutely fantastic. Steve's growth as a character and his and Dustin's friendship and his and Robin's yeah. friendship is really awesome. Nancy is in an even more powerful per- position, both yes. as a person and as a member of the group, um, Robin, Robin's fantastic. She's one of my favorite characters, Eddie, obviously, but Steve, Steve and Dustin, I like Steve a lot. He's this charismatic dude that could have been something very negative, which he was in the first season, uh, but has turned into this really lovable and likable character that is kind of, as he puts it, the babysitter, babysitter. babysitting again, but he's more of the father figure of the group you know what i mean he he loves these kids he takes care of these kids he protects these kids steve is steve is the groups the group's premier fighter slash warrior yeah like steve does the heavy lifting and (laughs) um, and so uh if there is danger to physical bodies Steve always takes lead and co- uh, takes the, takes the lead and covers everyone down. And he always and, gets um, beat up too. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. 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 Those, I was, I'm thinking when they he went through Watergate, the underground, yeah. <laughs> where he's in the upside down, he's just beating the crap out of those bat looking dragon things. And you're just like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. And even and right. what's important for me, even Eddie was like, whoa. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's, I love that interaction between them where he's just like, yeah apparently you're a good guy and he's just like okay well yeah them two are from two different sides of the popularity spectrum oh yeah right two different social sides too as far as school goes and things like that and they would have never been friends under the best of circumstances but under the worst of circumstances they both kind of realize that hey you're not that bad of a guy (laughs) yeah exactly exactly 
I do love, yeah, I love Steve too. I do also love the growth of Eddie, the new character, Mm because when you first meet him, he is, of course, the leader of the Hellfire Club, the D&D Club. Totally awesome. I had one and I was part of it in high school. Hi, guys. (laughs) Still friends with them. Um, But he goes through this and you kind of see him when he first starts a little bit of a coward. He runs away. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's an interesting thing when you have D&D players, they always think, man, if this was a real life situation, I would be there flaming sword and, and just go ahead and destroy all the monsters. And then you're faced with an actual monster and it, fight or flight <laughs> yeah. goes in and he runs away. But even though he runs away through half of this, there's that ending part, the one where I say how Steve jumps through Watergate and he sees um, then Nancy go and then Robin go to go save Steve and he finally goes like I cannot run away anymore and I definitely can't let the girls show me up yeah. and goes and then he turns out to be a really great asset even though he's still a little bit of that I have no idea what's going on still yeah. I'm still scared as heck but I have this group now and they actually become like the real D&D group of the campaigns that he does yeah. and like how Tone said he Steve is their warrior mm-hmm. yep I- I was shocked that, um, I, I strike that word. Um, I love Eddie's acknowledgement of Nancy. Cause if there's, if there was a, if there's someone in here that I could see teen tone crushing on, it would be Nancy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when he points out to Steve, like she dove in after you without a moment of hesitation, yes. like, yeah. um, we're going to swim underwater where we could drown into it, uh, into the upside down where we could die. And she did it without blinking an eye. Um, and it it resonated the strength of Steve going in and her doing it so readily when he's the one that's afraid. Yeah. Right? Um, mm-hmm. It was a very subtle, very powerful uh, approach to, to deliver that scene. My statement that I took a note of is that um, I am really hoping that uh, as Stranger Things goes on, and I understand, so I, I read somewhere that this is the last season. Yeah, this is it after man. this. Um, but if they were going to go, I wanted Eddie to be part of the crew, right? I thought we were going to get Billy as part of the crew. Mm-hmm. I thought when Billy came in, he's hard edge. He's dealing with these life traumas. Uh, he's going to, these events are going to soften him. He's going to end up right beside Steve trying to protect everyone. And of course we know the events, that's not where the story went, right? right. God protecting L, right? He died helping L fighting the mind flayer. But um, with that, Billy's off the table. And so as the crew continues to expand, uh, I hope Eddie, Eddie's clearly a perfect fit with the group <laughs> and and how readily he accepts the the un uh how readily he accepts the unexplainable right yep. hey now that you've seen the crazy crap that that uh that you think nobody understand mr dnd we've all been going through it are you ready to accept it and go deal with this problem he's kind of like uh yeah all right let's do it <laughs> yeah. it's just you wouldn't believe me you should try us and then they just all throw out like yeah okay man, we can't go back into the upside down, blah, blah. And he's just staring at them like they're crazy. Like he's not the one that just saw <laughs> exactly. the most popular girl in school get all of her bones broken and like, what? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about Nancy and Robin real quick. Uh, Robin, uh, for, she's from season three into season four. Uh, her progression as a character is wonderful. Uh, I really like what they've done with her and they've given her more of 
uh, position to stand up for herself than they already gave her in season three. And that was in the psychiatric ward when, when Nancy was fumbling and she took over and she's like, no, we did all of this. We came this whole way and you're going to yeah. let us give you give us seven minutes. That That's was all a, we want. That was a beautiful part. I love that. I clapped. Was amazing. I can't I was breathe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Talk but, about reading the room. Oh, yeah, right. right. You read that room and and executed, and we were just me and my wife were just cracking up. <laughs> I'm like, wearing this horrible <laughs> outfit and breaking out into a rash. Right. Robin's character is wonderful. Nancy is is um, I think. Well, it was like in season one. I mean, when it came down to the gun or the bat, what did she choose? She chose the gun. And now she's their archer, so to speak, if you want to look at it in terms of party members. And immediately when it comes to something like that, nobody flinches. They automatically look to her that she's going to be the one to point the gun and she's going to be the one to do it. And what does she do? I mean, even when they're in the upside down and they discover that the upside down is what three, four years in the past compared yeah. to what the the right side up is present day. And she's like, I know I had there's kids in the house. I know where my guns are. Yeah, and she's up. And, yeah, exactly. And she's up and digging around and looking at the diary, and she just kind of figures it out. Whoa, wait a minute. We're we're in the past. My guns aren't here right now. But uh That's her the past, they're there the day the will disappeared. Yeah. The exact same yeah. day. But her progression is a character in this and hers and Will's brother. Uh, I can't remember his name. Jonathan, right Jonathan exactly. Uh, their relationship, they're separated too, but her and Steve are seeing kind of a rekindling of an old flame and neither of them want to acknowledge it at first, but everybody else around them can see it. Robin included. <laughs> well, cause Steve uh, is definitely not the same character he was when they were first dating in season one, no. where he was just that, jack donkey of a character popular guy you know what i mean and he grew yeah yeah but but nancy i mean her character development from season one to through season four like you said tone i mean when when steve went under uh what did she do she didn't even think about it i'm going in right now and she jumped in and when they found the other portal uh the other gate in uh the trailer in the upside down Mm -hmm they were the last two to go through uh everybody else went eddie and then robin and then nancy and steve are left and there's even more of that rekindling of relationship before she gets kind of taken over by vecna and we get the whole origin of everything that took place which is what we talked about a little bit ago but uh her character development uh she's turned into a favorite of mine too every time i see her on screen even though she still has that quirkiness and that little bit of awkwardness she has like a a much more uh confidence and determination and the ability to just go and get what she wants and everybody else be damned See, I get it. I have a different feel for her. She is not my favorite character. Really? Um, at all. No, I, I actually, if I had to have her on the list of like my favorite characters, she, she would probably be at the bottom of the list. Oh, wow. Which uh, I know sounds very strange and it has nothing to do with her growth as a character or the actress playing her, anything like that. Um, I think it's just, I'm sitting there going, I've seen this character before. It's a typical final girl character in horror movies, but it's not as fleshed out. Um, I think that the transition happened a little too fast, even though it happened among four seasons. It, it's just something that's like, 
She can do no wrong. Everybody's in love with her. I hate that, by the way. I hate when everybody falls in love with like, one character. Like, there's other characters. Fall in love with a few of them. It's fine. But that that's what happens. It's um, what, what does that guy Fred say? You know, Nancy, the, the girl everybody wants. Yeah. Blah, blah. Like, that's the, my problem right there. Everybody's in love with her. Everybody wants her. Everybody wants to be her. She can do no wrong. She can charm the pants off a police officer and be able to go into a freaking crime scene. She thinks it's perfectly okay to go ahead and go to a heavily guarded psych ward and think that that's just going to freaking work because it's Nancy. Of course it's going to work because it's me. She's not my favorite character. I could rant about this all day. I could see both of you <laughs> laughing at me right now. No, no, I think it's a great take. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at both of you. You guys are like, okay, Kristen's going on a, whoo, whoo, no, no, no. hurt you, Kristen. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. You no, know? I really, uh, so, I don't, I don't see the same. I'm saying, I, <laughs> I'm saying it. <laughs> I don't see the same growth that I see from somebody like Dustin, mm-hmm. that I see from somebody like Elle. Mike, even though his, his growth went total downwards and I don't like him in the fourth season, it's still a growth. It's just right. a completely different way. We took Nancy from nerdy girl that wants to be popular dated Steve. That's fine. Totally get that. And now she's that character can do no wrong. And every season she can always do a little bit more. No wrong, no wrong, no wrong. Kristen, tell us how you really feel. Well, I can't swear. (laughs) (laughs) Tone, you had some thoughts on on her take of Nancy. So why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of that. Some water is what I'm going to do. But but see, this is why, uh, this is why I believe and this is going to take us a little bit off the path, but this is why I believe representation matters, mm-hmm. right? Because when you experience something, you have that lens through life, you, you may see things and approach it from a way somebody else would not, right? right. Um, and I don't have the experience of being a woman through high school or having to operate with the super chick there. I'm mm-hmm. the guy that's dealing with the Steves of the world, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm the guy dealing with the Steves of the world. So um, and not the Nancys of the world in that context, right? Mm. Um, the high school, the the pre, the adolescent class, uh, high class hierarchy we build, yeah. right? And um, I sat on this side of that, right? And so, um, no, I, I think that's great. If you if you take what you the way you've established it, we have a, a Nancy and a Steve that start here, mm-hmm. right? And if you track the the change, the struggle the failure and then the growth off of that failure of that character. Steve's experienced that more. Nancy hasn't. Uh, One of the things that happened in season one that I didn't think they spent enough time with was the death of her friend. Right. I know Uh, there's still no justice for Barb people. Yeah. And so um, (laughs) that just kind of happens and Nancy figures it out eventually, but there are really no repercussions to that or that those events until what we see now with Vecna, and that's how Vecna gets a hold of her, right? Mm-hmm. Question because of I, the guilt. Yes. Yeah. For those that don't know, Vecna really feeds off your guilt. So right. if you feel guilty about something, whether you're guilty or not, you have that in there. That's what he's going to latch on to. Mm-hmm. And so Max carries guilt because of what happened Billy. with Billy, right? And there's another character who carries guilt uh, because of a car crash, another teenager. And mm-hmm. there's a there's another girl who carries guilt because she's not what her mom wants her to be, yeah. right? Um, and uh, and so when you and then Nancy carries that guilt because of what happened to Barb. Right? <laughs> Hawkins so, is just a bad place to live. People. I know. Yeah. Anyone else while they were watching this was just like, 
parents move. Yeah. Just it's been four years and like half your student population is dead and you don't know why. Just just go, you know what? Maybe this isn't where I want to settle down and just move. <laughs> I wonder if I just wonder. I wonder if, and I'm just throwing this in there. Um, <laughs> I wondered if we were going to get Kruger parents, like the parent, oh, the Elm yeah. Street parents. Because remember, all the parents ran out on the lawn. They yeah. wanted the kids to stand there. They gave us a deliberate shot of the parents standing there. And I wonder if, because it was so 80s themed and there was so much, and I told you, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. And then I said, hmm, maybe the parents know more about what's going on than they've ever let us know about. That's maybe interesting. Be, maybe or maybe it's like, or maybe it's like Dairy and, and It's, where yeah. they just don't remember once they leave, whatever yeah. happened, or... The people that are in the town know it, but they pretend they don't. We are getting into speculation here, people. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> so I would love to see the parents come in and save the day. Right. I, now, now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Right. But uh, but uh, bottom line is for, for me on that was uh, someone uh, write the fan we, fiction. We, we did so much. Uh, we did so much there. Um, uh, we, we went over so many different uh, <laughs> different points at that. But uh, bringing this all the way back into Nancy uh, as a character. I can absolutely see in the way you frame that where her progression, her challenge, and then her failure, they offer that challenge. And then her character growth off of that is not the same arc that everyone else has been through. Right. It really isn't. Cause if you look at Steve, even in the beginning of this, he is dating seemingly a million one people. Oh, um, that's trying to skull rock. You know, I created that. That's now a makeout spot because I was there. He's but, trying to go back to being that big man on campus. So he's actually regressing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go on a Nancy rant again, but I'm just <laughs> saying she can still do no wrong. <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Well, all right, let's go ahead and take <laughs> it down to the wire, guys. The whole volume one of season four of Stranger Things. Let's get into those ratings. Kristen, why don't oh, you go ahead? Oh, go really ahead. Quick. Oh, go I want to add re- something really quick. You see the shirt I'm wearing? Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Jason from the the guys from the sports team mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and Satanic uh, Panic. Yes. Absolutely. You already know where I'm going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to take a point and I want to take a time, uh, just a second to point this out, which is we keep talking about the things that they've recreated masterfully. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, ding. Right. <laughs> um, masterfully with this season, the satanic panic. Yes. And the- worn my satanic panic shirt for any of our younger generation that is out there. Right. At that time, right? Dungeons and Dragons was new, right? And there was a panic from parents across the nation. There was a messaging that people who liked role-playing games as headed by Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. were being indoctrinated into worshiping the devil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the Baby game was, sacrifices and killing it, each other in the sewers and all that in stuff. Demonology. Yeah. And, Yep. And this lasted through the mid nineties too. When, when you get the metal bands, Metallica, uh, think back, Twisted Sister had to go to court to prove that there weren't satanic messages on their records. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, so it was a, what they're, what they're demonstrating there through the character of Jason, when he has the discussion with the town, right. You listen to everything he's saying. Um, it, it's completely rooted in that satanic panic that we had throughout the 80s and into the mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah. Um, and it was so deep and it was so strong. And I do not embellish this. Uh, I worked with a colleague. I, have a, I had a friend 
we were we were talking in the office, blah, 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 blah. He's a D&D guy. He asked me if I played. I said, I always wanted to, but my mother would never let me. She's like, stay away from that. That's not what we're going to do in this household. That's how many parents were when it came to Dungeons. Mm -hmm. We're not going to introduce any aspect of demonology or devil worship right mm -hmm. into, into this house. And one of the, I said, my mom wouldn't let me play it. She just really wanted me. We were in the wall. We were in a professional workplace. We, she, she really didn't want me to play it. And one of the ladies, uh, also a colleague and a friend, but she stood up and said, isn't that that devil worshiping stuff? You guys worship the devil? And this was in the 2000s. This yeah. was, uh, yeah. this was yeah. 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. And so, but, and it's not about whether or not, oh, I believe it. That was the message when it came to these things. And so Jason's character really did a great job of being the, the walking personification of that mindset. Irrational yeah. fear. He yeah. was even faced with the monster and what happened to his, his teammate, who mm -hmm. was one of Vecna's, um, oh my victims. God, victims. Thank victims. you. I just blanked on victims. And he still was like, it's satanic. They just did well, a sacrifice just, in front of me. It they just blah, blah. reinforced what- It reinforced the yeah, belief. Exactly. A All lot. of his and, and, fears were made physical right there. It and, actually and, is. And Eddie was there to watch it. And Tony, and you're absolutely correct. This this has not gone away. It's still here today. I have a friend who is very into horror. Her husband's very into horror. Um, so their house is decorated like a, a cabinet of curiosities and oddities. They have coffins, they have skulls and everything. Um, and, and the neighbors would call CPS on them just because of that. Yeah, exactly. Two parents that have perfect jobs, take care of their kid, are making sure that they know, hey, when we're watching horror movies, it's pretend. When we're doing this, it's pretend. Still took them to go see Disney movies and all that other good stuff. It's just the way they decorated it. Yep. You know, and they had to go ahead and defend their lifestyle of what they like. This still happens. That's, that's just sad. Yeah. And, and my last slide under the wire, Joyce. I cannot leave this without talking about Joyce. <laughs> okay. um, in today's world, where as it culturally we're struggling with representation, there are mm -hmm. people who want to be represented ag aggressively, <laughs> loudly, voicefully. There are people who say this is we want good stories and this should not be about an agenda, right? Mm -hmm. um, Stranger Things continues to provide us strong well thought out, well developed characters that represent all, right? And Joyce is the low key goat of this entire <laughs> series because you've Mama got Bear. Elle over here with superpowers. You've got Hopper, you've got Hopper, the the freaking tough guy, right? Dealing with things, but he just keeps trudging on for the people he loves. You've got the group, the friend, the the crew that rely on each other's resiliency, uh, their friendship. Um, but behind it all, the person who is always saving the day is <laughs> the Joyce normal, is. the normal mother who yeah. has no superpowers. Yep. Just for the love of God, just wants a normal life with her kids. She yeah. wants her oldest son to go to college. She wants Elle and, and, and Will to finish high school and everything to be okay. And yet still does not hesitate when she realizes that Hopper needs her help. Exactly. Yeah. Joyce is the one who figured out how to yeah. talk to Will in season one. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can start there, the resiliency to figure out how to communicate through the upside down without knowing that the upside down, they're telling me my son is gone. I know my son isn't gone. Yeah. She's focused. She's, uh, uh, she's focused when confronted with challenge. She's fearless, right? Regardless of the consequences, she sets a goal. She moves forward. She powers through. Joyce reminds me a lot 
um, in a much more human approach of Ripley, of Ripley from the Alien series. Right um, on. And that's funny you say that yeah. because they were in the same right. movie together. Yep. They were. So, they were in one of the Alien movies. No. And so was everything, resurrection? That's going, everything that's going on with Hopper and and Yuri, right? And Murray. And, <laughs> and when Joy and you and you know when Joyce is the, the KGB wants wants to find Joyce, <laughs> right? And she's just a regular mom trying to sell encyclopedias and provide for these kids. That's right. right? And so uh, I just so with all that being said, I just had to give a big shout out to uh, to Joyce as a character. Why not? Why is doing an amazing job with her. And um, if anyone ever want to know if you could sell Encyclopedia Britannica at home and buy that house that they're living in in California, that wasn't possible in the 80s. Either. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, all right. just an FYI. Well, all right. Let's <laughs> get into these ratings. This is the moment that I've been waiting for all this talk, all this deep dive, all of this excitement and tension brings us to this moment Kristen, take it away give us your final thoughts on stranger things season four volume one and your overall rating for this so my overall thoughts of this it doesn't necessarily rewrite the series we still open up with dnd we still open up with a big bad that is associated with dnd so they all have this now intimate knowledge because they play dnd and we kind of see where this is going to go it doesn't matter how far apart they are, anything like that. The world of Hawkins is still in D&D land. Um, that being said, there has been a lot of growth with the characters. I do love what they do with Elle here. Um, I love the memories. Even if you kind of knew where it was going to go and you kind of saw it coming a little bit, still worked very well, very powerful. Um, all the acting is always top notch. I never have a problem with any of the acting, especially when they go ahead and introduce new characters, which is always a crapshoot when you have beloved series like this. Mm. Um, Introducing Billy was one of them. Introducing Eddie right now is one of them. Even introducing a character that we didn't really talk about, Argyle, is another one of them. Um, they didn't go ahead and overshadow everything, but they really helped go ahead and give another dimension to the kids that we know in Hawkins, especially since so many of them are going about their new, like kind of their new pathways in life. Yeah. That being said, for the first part, my total rating is a seven out of 10. Wow. Tim looks okay. confused because that's low. Here's my reasoning. It doesn't rewrite the series. I do okay. get tired of Dungeons and Dragons being the big bad here. I do get tired of every single monster being a Dungeons and Dragons monster. We got it in the first season. We definitely got in the second season. Got it in the third season. Seriously, <laughs> give me a new way to get a monster into the upside down that isn't Dungeons and Dragons based. Okay. Is that what you're going to go ahead and rely on if there ever is other seasons? I know they're saying there aren't, but what if they go ahead and are like, yeah, we'll do another one. Why not? Is that what you're going to rely on again? Are you running out of monsters in the bestiary? <laughs> I know they're not. I have the books behind me that you can't see. I know they're not. But <laughs> Tim is dying. Tim oh is Lord. dying. All right. But give me something new is what I'm saying. Not new characters, not new character growth, um, and not new big, give me something new all right yes i lived through the 80s you guys did a great job of that you always do a great job of the soundtrack and incorporating music from the time period always top notch thank you for using a lot of my favorite songs even though you didn't know that give me another monster that is not gonna go ahead and be able to be beaten by kids just because they play D. &D. 
Gotcha. Hey, that's a fair criticism right there. And guys, seven is not a bad rating either. Seven's pretty darn good. No, but Tim, Tim was dying. Tim was dying for a moment. The road five is middle of the road. So that's right. That's right. Well, uh, my rating for Stranger Things season four. uh, So overall character development, wonderful new characters that were introduced fantastic you loved them and you hated them and you really wanted good things to happen to the good characters and you wanted bad things to happen to the bad characters uh and they did um the the group being separated everything going on in this season all the different stories the four different arcs that need to find a way to come together uh new gates for the upside down new monsters things like that. I think it is no surprise that I am going to give this a straight 10 out of 10. This season is absolutely fantastic. I think it is the best season so far. Uh, The lengthy episodes do not feel like that. And after each episode is over, that's fair. Yep. And after each episode is over, I wanted more the, the D and D aspect where it doesn't so much like where you're maybe finished with that trope. I absolutely am not because I role play every Monday and seeing stuff like that incorporated into the story just makes me raise my fist even higher because it's like, yes, this is how they can relate to something otherworldly and figure it out and use what they know to reference what they don't know and that's where you get the demogorgon and the mind flayer and vecna and all that stuff so yeah my rating straight up 10 out of 10 full disclosure i am a role player i'm still (laughs) sick of that trope (laughs) tone why don't you go ahead and tell us what you thought about this um i am right between the middle of you i'm at 8.5 Ooh, okay. Five head in the middle. Yeah. Um, with the more of the same, doesn't bother me. Uh, I, I associate it with it having a really, really good bacon cheeseburger that's just perfect <laughs> in every way, shape, and form. And I'm gonna go get another one. I'm gonna go get another one. And this is what it is, right? <laughs> and uh, and if they changed it, if they went too far, I'd probably be like, "Fuck the what? This isn't my bacon cheeseburger, right?" Uh, so uh, that's kind of how I, I approached it emotionally. Um, the, I see it as one continuing story. So we've never finished with the D and D stuff because we've never finished with the mind flare. Mm-hmm. Right. And really with some of the events here, right. They're talking about who Vecna works for. Right. Um, and so things that have just like with the Demogorgon still relevant in this series, right. The mind flare may be once again, relevant in these series with some of the dialogue, uh, when we get in the second half of this, um, and so that didn't bother me, the, the, the continued D&D theme, not just because of my love of it, but as a, as a package story. Right. Um, if these seasons were independent of each other, right, then it would bother me a little bit more. They're retreading the same ground. I think that they are treading the same ground, but they've never gone across the full amount of the ground. Like they're still telling the meat and potatoes of the overall story. Um, but what brings it down for me a little bit is that disjointed nature of the relationships early on. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when we, like I said before, that uh, the the Mike and Will both being so disjointed and reconciled so readily and quickly with the discussion didn't make sense to me. 
It was the little things like that. And they may reckon, they may fix that in the last two, in these last two episodes of part mm-hmm. two, right? They may come back and redress some of those things. Um, there's also a somewhat miraculous nature that they continue to survive these things that happen <laughs> to them, right? With no direct, look at the scene with the guys, with Argyle, uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, Mike, with the uh with the the special agents in the yeah, army going after him who all right. got shot up right away yeah. <laughs> the kids yeah. the kids get away <laughs> the kids got away it's like sometimes it's it's a it's slightly too miraculous right <laughs> i agree uh, i agree uh, uh Kristen pointed out <laughs> two teenage girls get dressed and go to a maximum security uh psychiatric confinement facility and managed to get all the way in to talk to one of their perceived worst inmates and then get all the way out and jump in the car and drive away. And so a little bit too miraculous. They took off their heels as they were running. I did like so. that. That's a, I, I was like, she better take off her heels. Do not make this a Jurassic World thing. You are not running in those heels. And so uh, even, even looking at the situation, as much as I love Joyce and I love Murray, even they're in Russia, they're in the middle of Russia. Like, how are they going to get out of Russia? And so I say all of this That's just to Russia. say- They start in Alaska. I'm just saying. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, just, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> and so I look at it and I say, with that disjointed nature of the characters, that was, a, it was, as it resonated with me as a teen, like I said, I had friends that I moved away from and mm-hmm. I would have preferred the series to acknowledge that our relationship has changed then for them to kind of be like best friends best friends yeah we're right. best friends again um that mixed in with a uh, miraculous nature of survival against all odds um take took it down a little bit for me from a 10 mm-hmm. to kind of an 8.5 okay um they, the, the last part of the season may reconcile that but that's where i'm sitting right now I, and, I, and just to bounce off that i'm really hoping that they're not too afraid to kill off main characters if need be because Don't now they've that. Now they've, oh, I don't, yeah, kill off the characters, man. You're, you're now. going on mute right now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to hear this talk. I'm we haven't made it to the last two episodes yet. Nobody's dying. Nobody's, everybody's Christian's killing someone, she's killing Nancy. <laughs> I'd say, Tim, I've known you for 20 years. Don't think I don't have blackmail photos, boy. Uh, so no. I am not going on mute. No, I'm just Take saying it, it's such... <laughs> It's such a trope, though, that it's in, in all series, like this happens in all types of series, that you have these characters that we've had for seasons that you've grown to love, and you're really attached to them. And you really, really are, and you don't want to see harm come to them or anything like that. So it's a cop-out if at least not one of these people dies or becomes incapacitated some way, because like you just said, Tone, it's too miraculous. These are teenagers. Yeah. These are, t- they look like teenagers. That trope sucked the wind. I was a smart of- teenager. Okay. I'm not going to go ahead to a psych ward and make that work. The, 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 that, that trope sucked the wind out of the walking dead. It did. You always knew the new people to the show were the ones who were going to die, mm-hmm. that you were never going to see the Rick die. You were not going to see Daryl die. That you weren't going to see the fan favorites die. You weren't going to see Maggie die. Right, you were not, not unless the actors are ready to leave. Yep. That's yeah. when you will see yeah. them start to die. So. Um, and and it's it's an overused trope, and I get why they do it. They don't want to lose their fan base. Yeah, trust your fan base a little more. Yeah. Um, I still love Firefly, and we know what happened there with the movie and everything. Yeah. Um, no spoilers on that one. Just go watch it. <laughs> well, I <laughs> this think could happen it's, here. 
I think it's safe to say, guys, that uh, even though our reviews are, uh, our final ratings are a little bit all over the place, we're still really. We're close range. Yeah, we're yeah, close. Absolutely. Seven and a half to 10. We're all seven. Seven, seven for you, Kristen. 8.5 for you, Tone. And I yep. give it a 10 out of 10. We're right all yeah, in. We're, yeah, we're. Exactly. Exactly. So before we get out of here, once again, Kristen, let everybody know the new thing that is available for Codex. Brand new. We got merch sign. We do. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and stickers, which I need to get one. I need a decor. I have a brand new computer. I need, I need a sticker <laughs> right there. Right, right there. on. And uh, where can they go to find that? It is at thecodexstation.creatorspring.com. We will drop that because there's a lot of hyphens. Up yeah, in absolutely. So yeah, don't forget, guys, check out the merch store, t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, buy what you want, buy what you need, buy a lot of it because everything that you do purchase, we get a percentage of that and it helps this channel grow, helps us bring the right videos to you, the best videos to you all the time, every time. Before I'm we get- jealous. Before we get out of here, I'm going to let you know about the socials and Tone is going to close this off with a nice little pin. And uh, yeah, all the socials, guys, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, Discord, podcast streaming platforms. You know where we are. You know what your favorite is. All you have to do is type in the Codex Station and that is where you'll find us. We are two people, three people away from 100 on YouTube. We need your help. We need you to do this. So if you haven't subscribed yet, by all means, take over. Do it. Do it. Do it. We need to get to 50 on Twitch. Help us get there. We cannot do this without you. So absolutely. That is what I got to say, Tone. Why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? Well, I would like to thank everyone for spending time with us today as we enjoy these properties. Remember, keep aspiring to be your best self because here at the Codex Station, we love comics and we love heroes and you are a hero. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how you know we've known each other too long. <laughs> there you go. Guys, my name is Tim. Over on this side of me is Kristen. Down below is Tone Super, the Sci-Fi Swordsman. You know them from reviews and After Dark. You know me from everything else. We will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>